We go into chapter 14 of the gospel according to John Mark. We get a little bit of chronology. We don't get much of that, especially in what we call the synoptic gospels. We really don't know how long Jesus was on his ministry. Uh, we guess from John that it's three, three and a half years, and I think that makes some sense. But uh, verses 1 and 2 here will give us a little bit of context. We're in the last week. Uh, if you remember, 40% of the Gospels are in Jesus' last week because it is ultimately what he came to do. So starting verse 1, is the first couple of verses here. It was now two days before the Passover, so we get a time frame, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priest and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. Uh, so we get uh, quite a bit of information in a couple uh, verses there. Two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Most of us um, don't grow up with these types of uh, festivals. Uh, it would, this would be the people who are reading this the first time would understand all this because that's how they did things. We do it too. I mean, we got, you know, we'll have Easter coming up and then eventually we get our different holidays coming through and Christmas and all those. Well, the different feasts were the, the things that uh, is how the life went if you were a Jewish person at that time. Um, and the Jews uses a lunar calendar, a uh, moon calendar, uh, and Passover is always on the, the month of Nisan, which has nothing to do with the car, um, 14. Uh, again, it's lunar, so it moves around. Um, you think about it's about 29 days in each month. Um, well, I didn't think about that till now, but uh, what day is after February 28th? Not this year. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, February 29th, because this is leap year. Yeah, we got to leap forward a little bit because or even a solar calendar, you have to do some things with to get it to line up to the 365.249187 or whatever the heck it is, days a year. Well, the lunar calendar is even, uh, they actually add uh, another month every two or three years. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Especially if you did it during like January. You know, it's like, can't we have like two Julys? You know, have the 4th of July, we have the 4th of July again. Oh, wait a minute, December, two Christmases. Hey, we'll just go back to the lunar calendar, you know. But, th but that's, the Feast of Unleavened was always on Nisan 15 to 20. So they came together. Um, and what happens is the way it was talked was sometimes you, you would put those together. The first fruits were offered on Nisan 16, so you've got all that going on. And these holy days in the first we're all celebrated together. You have Passover meal, you have the feast, and then, then you had the first fruits. And so often this is simply just called Passover. Now we do that, right? Like think about kind of we do that, right? If you said um, in December, you said, well, I'm going to go over to my, you know, my uh, in-law's house for Christmas. Does that mean it has to be on the 25th? But we know what you're talking about, right? We're not going to say, you lied. You guys went over there on the 22nd. That's not Christmas. Christmas 25th. You know, well, that's the thing thing here. And we do get a little bit of uh, an issue between what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and exactly when this meal was. But I think it pretty much is explained by how John's using this term. Because there are other meals. I mean, these dudes are eating all the time. I mean, we don't do that. We don't like 
have worship and then tear everything down and eat. Very often, that's what we do today, right? It's kind of fun. So it's just simply called Passover. Um, that's the way they do it. So an example of this is, and you can uh, go back and read that in Luke 2, this is when uh, Jesus gets lost. You know, it should be a bumper sticker. Never lose your Savior, uh, especially when he's young, right? Uh, it just, you know, that was the whole, he said, we got lost during Passover. Well, but they were gone two days. So it's more than just one day. And so it helps you. What will this help is just understanding the cadence of what's going on. Um, again, I, I understand we want to be precise when we interpret Scripture and try to understand what's being revealed to us. But sometimes we, we certainly major in the minor sometimes. It's like people get caught up on the, some of the goofiest things, you know. I mean, I, I hope your faith doesn't fan stand or fall on whether this meal, Passover, this uh, Last Supper, we call it, was on Thursday or Friday. It's not really the point, uh, although it's not that hard to, to, to reconcile. The same thing you get when we'll talk about this. I think the series, we'll, we'll finish this series, we'll do some uh, stuff for Easter, and then I'm going to launch into a kind of a looking at the resurrection appearances. And, you know, you, you get to the tomb and you get like, is there one angel or is there two? And it's like, well, it kind of depends on what side of the rock you're looking from, I guess. Uh, but is that the point? It's like, well, how come you aren't following Jesus? Because they can figure out if there's one or two angels. It's like, really? That, that's, that was your stumbling block. You know, I mean, again, we, we, again, and it's reconcilable, you know. I mean, I could say that, you know, I'll see, well, who should I single out today? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I went home and then, and then somebody called and I said, yeah, yeah, we were, in, yeah, Kay was there, Kay was at worship, and then we move on, and so the next day the person says, yeah, I talked to the pastor, the Kay was the only one at worship. You know, use common sense, right? So, so hopefully that helps kind of set this up. So, two days before indicates that the following account took place on Wednesday before, before sundown, because they, did, not only do they have a lunar calendar, they don't even do the midnight to midnight thing. They do the sundown to sundown thing, which, of course, for us and me as being an actuary and, you know, analytical and a little bit OC, uh, it's like, well, sundown moves. It, it doesn't move quite as bit there because they're a little closer to the equator, but it still moves. It really moves a lot here. How many people here uh, grew up in Alaska? How many people been to Alaska? How many people heard of Alaska? <laughs> okay. From what I hear, the sundown and sunset really changes. So, again, you're in a culture where you can do that a little bit better. Now, so the Passover meal was eaten uh, usually on midnight on Thursday when Jesus most likely had his last supper, between sundown and midnight, not at midnight, uh, but probably not at midnight, but sometime between 6 o'clock, and, and you can have it when you want. So we also learn in this what the goal and here, it's, it's variously uh, given to us, chief priests and scribes. Some get to Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's just, it's just an idiom for the leadership in Jerusalem. Um, and it's not really ambiguous, is it? I mean, after you read this bit, sentence, you're like, well, I really don't know what these guys are up to. They were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. It, it's fairly blunt. Um, so we know what the goal is of them. Of course, we know in the background, you get this really in, in John. You get it in the other ones, too, but, you know, who's in charge here? 
You know, we go through life thinking, well, I'm in charge. And then about two minutes into the day, you're like, I guess I'm really not. You know, it's God's in charge. He's allowing this stuff, and, and we'll see how that works as we go through. So let's go to verse 3. And while he was at Bethany, and we'll look where that is, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment and pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, whoever, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And me just reading that kind of fulfills that, doesn't it? You know, here we are. Anybody that reads Mark 14 is like, well, there you go. Everybody's hearing about this. So where was Bethany? If you remember last couple weeks, we were what we call the Olivet Discourse. There's the temple here. Um, the Garden of Gethsemane is here. The Olivet Discourse was probably on the Mount of Olives in this area. Um, and then they just go, go down here by the quick trip through the, make sure you're awake. <laughs> and then they go down to Bethany. See, this is a mount that's on the other side. If you go there today, you can't really tell. It's like going from, I don't know, Omaha to Papillion. You really can't tell the difference or Bellevue. Um, but, but then there was probably, it, it was much less uh, crowded. Uh, so they're going to Bethany. Well, what difference does that make? Well, this is the house of Simon the leper. Where did he get that name? Isn't it Simon used to be a leper? Because if he was a leper, they wouldn't be going to his house, you know. So obviously it's, uh, it's kind of like we've done this before with Thomas. What do we usually call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. One mess up. That's why, you know, you hate the, the kid, that, you know, that has a, when he's a little kid and he has a little problem with uh, his digestive system and all of a sudden gets the term stinky. One screw up, you know, you don't want to do that to people. Um, and, and so Simon the leper, well, this is, you do a little work here. And again, this is somewhat conjecture, but I think it makes some sense. We know Bethany was the home of, of, of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, which we hear a little bit more about, uh, uh, well, in Luke, but mostly in John. Um, and the woman here is identified with Mary in the Gospel of John. So I got a question for you, and this is, this is, you know, open line Sunday. I mean, you can, why doesn't Mark put it in there? Why didn't he say it was Mary? I just see people going, I don't know either. So there you go, good job. Uh, I suppose maybe he thought we would read John. I don't know. Who's the author of all this? in the big picture. You know, the Holy Spirit's doing this. You know, it, perhaps it's, it, it, he says, well, you know, you're going to have to go over to John and figure this out. You know, remember this. We've talked about this, and you don't be too strong on this, but if you really want to know God, you're probably going to have to work at it sometimes. We got this idea that God's just going to pick us up and give us everything we need all the time. He'll give you what you need as far as having a relationship with him. That's what the mercy's all about. 
But, you know, it does take some work, you know. It's not impossible, but what's important, you know. I think that, um, I don't, well, think about it. When, when you die and you go before God, is he, do you want him to t- tell you he thinks you're intellectually lazy? Or just lazy in general? I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that for you either. You know, he's the one that decided that the best way to get to know him is to read his word. That's a lot of words. So that's a lot of trouble to go to if we're just supposed to say, well, yeah, whatever, I'll just let the pastor do that. So how do you know I even know what I'm talking about? Might want to check me. Um, I think it's good. But again, the author is John Mark here, but through the power of the Spirit, and you can look at our statement of faith the way we look at that, we think it's something we can count on. Use words like inerrant and infallible, and we aren't shy. <laughs> you know, uh, to me, it's just like, you know, you get Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, breathed out by God, and is useful for teaching and rebuking and training and righteousness. How much sense does God-breathed air make? You know, if God wants to get his word, did you just, just couldn't get her done? just makes no sense to me. And that's just a common sense way of looking at it. It may not be compelling even to you but, or to somebody else, but I've used that before. So God, who created the universe, gave us everything, sent his son to die on the cross, tried to get us the word, but he just kind of screwed it up in places. Really? I, I don't think that makes any sense to me. Um, it's not the only reason we believe it's true. we got lots of other evidence, too. But So... Using this information from John and Luke and, and Mark, uh, some suggest that Simon was the father of these three, which kind of, you know, if you want to do, do your own chosen or whatever, do your own movie, um, you know, you could have this. And I, you know, maybe season four has it. I don't know. They were in one of them, I think. Isn't s- he calls him Laz, which is just cracks me up. But it's like, <laughs> all right, there you go. You think Jesus really called Lazarus? I don't know. Maybe he did, you know. It's like, uh, so they show up. They'll probably show up again. But that, think about that if this is true. So it's possible, we, we're going to look at John 11 just briefly, but it's possible that these three's dad was a leper and then got healed. That gives a little bit different zip, doesn't it? You know, again, it's a possibility. And this flask that they're talking about, and I know this one of these words, I'm not a big, I mean, just the word nard. Oh, it just doesn't do much for me. I mean, if I tell you, it's like, hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna have, we're gonna have, we, we already had, we're gonna have pizza, and then a little nard. It just, just doesn't do it. It's like, boy, that must be expensive. <laughs> it's just like, it just doesn't. I mean, I, I need a new word. Does anybody else have anything in the nard in their translation? I guess you can. But it's, it's the thing. It's expensive, and, and she pours it over his head. When, you, when I read that, I almost stopped and made a snide comment. But you shouldn't probably do that when you're reading scripture. But I mean, it is kind of weird, isn't it, for us? It's like what it, 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 using an analogy. We set these tables up, um, and we sit there, and somebody comes in and grabs this expensive perfume and says, "Right over your head." It's like I'm eating. It's it's odd, but Jesus seems to be ready for it because it's an anointing oil, we find out. And that anointing, you all know what the word Christ means, right? It means anointing. So there's something going on here. If you go back to 1 Samuel, this was what they did to kings. Uh, David was called an anointed one, but yet when you read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, it looks like there's going to be another one that's the anointed, which the 
Hebrew word you probably know is Messiah or Messiah. So there's something going on here. Kind of cool. It's kind of a, a little bit ceremonial to some. But Samuel takes the horn of oil and anoints David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel went to Ramah. So this is, this is kind of in the background. He put it over his head. It's the anointed one of the Lord. So she's doing some pretty cool stuff here. Uh, now, the kingly anointing was always done by a prophet. Mary's not a prophet in the Old Testament sense, but she, she does illustrate what New Testament prophecy really is about. What is New Testament prophecy? It's telling the good news of Jesus. That's the main thing which is going to give you some future predictions. We just did that, right? Second coming stuff. I mean, that's Jesus too. And then verses 8 9 give us another aspect of the anointing, which most people did not grab. Mary seems to start grabbing this. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. That's kind of interesting. You know, he, he, he realizes what's happening. She seems to maybe start to understand this. So it's not just anointing as the Christ, the Messiah. It's also that you're going to have to die for the sins of the world. Truly, I say to you, whoever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told. It's not just historical. It's the idea that I died. <laughs> That's part of the gospel, right? Without the death, the gospel doesn't matter. Jesus is the true king, but he is also a saving sacrifice through which people can, through faith, enter his eternal kingdom. This is kind of a start of that. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. So Mary seems to maybe start to understand this, uh, that he must die for sin to be conquered. And, and I, think, uh, I think this because of the couple of verses we're going to look at here, or at least a couple uh you all know the word pericope? Or as my friend from Mississippi said, the pericope. Um, just a section of scripture, a pericope. You know, there you go. It's like, I don't know what the heck he talked about, but I now know what a pericope is. Isn't that nice? Um, but if you go to, to Luke 10, uh, this is, again, you kind of piece this together. It's not really too hard. But uh, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Thank you, Luke, for being ambiguous again. Um, gotta be careful when <laughs> you talk about Scripture, right? Uh, but it's probably Bethany. Um, and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. All right, cool. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Well, there's one thing I know about rabbis in the first century. You do not have women sitting at your feet. And this doesn't really have a lot to do with feet. It has to do with listening to the teaching. She's sitting, listening to his teaching. This tells us a lot about what Jesus thought about women. It's like, well, you know, this must be worth my time. And I wonder what he taught her. I wonder if it has anything to do with her figuring out that it's time to anoint him. I don't know. Maybe not. It's just a thought. There's a book I read, and I'm pretty sure it's by women. It's called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. And I think that's kind of what we try to do here. Let's try, that's what you do when you read the Gospels. And so, but Martha, and we get this, this will be good for the people in the kitchen today, right? <laughs> but Martha was distracted with much serving. 
And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Hmm. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing, one thing, got to get that right? City slickers, right? Uh, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Now, he's not saying, you know, I've tried to use this many times. It's like, you know, I really would like to help in the kingdom. But I'm choosing the better part, which is another way of saying I'm too lazy to help. <laughs> not incompetent, lazy. You know, I think we can, be, that's not what this is about, is it? It's not, she didn't say that Mary was doing anything wrong. Just in, or excuse me, Martha was doing anything wrong. It's that Mary was doing the better stuff, you know. Of course, most of the women I know, it's like, well, can't you do both? <laughs> Probably, you know, you can. But again, th the idea here is possibly we're looking at something here that gives us some insight of how she knew what she knew. We, don't, we aren't given what was taught. Uh, maybe he told her that, you know, that the, the, the Christ, the Messiah, who I am, is going to have to die. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But she seems to have some insight. And then you go to John 11, which I won't go to. I'll just give you some. John 11 is the raising of Lazarus, which is a really cool miracle. He's dead for four days. He stinketh. One of my favorite verses in the King James. Don't go there. Keep going. Um, <laughs> But, but in there, you've got, it's almost juxtaposed there. You've got Martha, Mary is just really beside herself. Her, her brother's died. Martha's not happy with it, but she meets Jesus first. Now, this would have been later than the, 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 the Luke version there, Luke 10. Um, and Martha and, and Jesus, and, and I encourage you to read that chapter uh, today sometime. Martha has here. Probably greater than any of the guys at that point. Um, I know, I know that we will rise because of you. She just, she just didn't know what he was talking about. I am the resurrection and the life. He, he gives that great. And Mary's just kind of beside herself, you know. She's just so over with free. If you were here, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then, of course, he raises him. And... I'm really looking forward to see how the Chosen does that, to tell you the truth. Of course, I can give you my own version if you want. I just don't draw, and, and, and I don't have a whole bunch of people at my exposure to do that. But I, it is a wonderful thing. So you have all that woven in here. When he goes to their house, most people think, and I would agree with this, that when Jesus came to Jerusalem for the festivals, and if you want to, how many times a year are they supposed to do that? Three times. When he came down there, most people think this is where they went. They stayed at Laz's house. Or Simon used to be a leper. Um, Mary and Martha. There seemed to be a close connection here. But it's always a party pooper. I guess Judas is probably a little bit more stronger than a party pooper, but at this point it's just he's just pooping on the party, I guess. But uh, some were indignant. Why are you wasting this? Right? This is worth 300 denarii, which we all know what that means, right? <laughs> Not unless you look it up. 
uh, you know, I don't know how many shekels it takes to screw in a light bulb. Um, it's almost a year's wages. It's a lot of money. Uh, this is pretty expensive <laughs> nard, uh, as nard goes. Uh, and Judas, is he's singled out here. Uh, I think Mary was beginning to understand who Jesus was and came to do. The 12 still trying to figure it out. And again, I, you know, in my movie, it might be because she sat still and listened. Who knows how many times she did that? I don't know. Now, in verse, you got to be careful. Never take a, a verse out of context. Um, for you always have the poor to be with you. So does that mean just, just don't worry about them? That's not the point here. It's, it's kind of like the Mary and Martha thing. It's not that he's saying don't help and, and serve people in the kitchen and all. That's great. But right now, I'm here. You know, think about it right now. I, you know, this is a pretty good sermon, you got to admit, right? <laughs> but what if Jesus showed up and said, I would like to talk to y'all. You know, I'm going to sit out there with you. Because, I mean, my words don't mean anything. You know, I'm just, just a pointer. Again, it's not that the sermon's bad, but if you've got Jesus, I'll listen. And it's the same thing here. He's not saying that, 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 not hel that helping the poor is something you don't know. It's right now I'm here. And it was traditional during Passover to give gifts to those in poverty. And Bethany, that's what it was. That's what it means. House of the poor. This was a place to help poor people. And so on one hand, Judas is right. And I think that if you, if you look at the character of Judas, Judas gets a lot right. He just forgets one thing. Oh, you want to get that one thing right. He didn't know, he didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. And remember, and I just put this out here because I do think our churches sometimes are misguided with this, and it doesn't mean we don't do it. That's not the point, but you want to, if you come to eat, we're going to be talk. we'll talk a little bit about some of our ministries that do this, but Old Testament alms giving to the poor stress maintaining their dignity and dependence always. And if we don't do that, I don't think it's good. I just don't think it. We can do it. It takes more work. I realize that. It's easier just to hand, hand stuff to people. But it, I've, I've always said that, and I think it's something to remember. Don't do to people who need physical things what you would never do to your own family. How many people who are parents who would say to their kids, I'll just give you anything you want. You don't have to do a thing. What would we call kids like that? It starts with an S. No, not stupid. Spoiled. Yeah. Well, why do we, why do, we do that to other people? You know, you're not worth my time. Here's some money. I mean, just got to be careful with that kind of stuff. But their priorities are not straight if you're worried so much about the poor you forget about Jesus. That's... You can do both. For what does the profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I mean, J Judas probably had a good heart to help those people, but he's missed that one thing, and that's where we're getting in trouble. So understanding and trusting the truth of Jesus and his gospel always takes precedence over good works, no matter how noble they are. You know, it's the, it, even for salvation, don't we say that? We don't do good works to be saved, be in right relationship with God for eternity. We do good works because we're saved in that right relationship with God. It's an extension of our 
who we are in Christ, not the thing that gets us there. Because it's just mean to tell people they have to do good things to get to heaven. I mean, I've been giving you guys points all winter. You know, I, I mean, uh, come full clean, you know, you know why you get the points? Because I want you to remember that they don't, I can't give you, it doesn't make any difference how many times you show up. God's not going to be impressed. Kyrie eleison. That's how you get, Lord have mercy. Which was also a Mr. Mister song, if you didn't know that. Back to 1980s again. So all the good music came back then. You know, so. Maybe we should do that, Aaron. Yeah. You want me to sing it? Yeah. Got to have Tim up here with a drum. Let's, let's get that going. But, but I think, again, it's, it's good, you know, the better part. I think that's what we're looking for here. So Mary trusted in Jesus' teaching about himself. He seem, she seems to get that. Because he said this already. He said this over and over again. You go back to Mark 8. And he began to teach them, and that's the 12 mostly. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, which we find out they're working on that, and after three days rise again. It's a very good prediction because it came true. <laughs> it's kind of hard to plan your own death when somebody else is doing it. It's really difficult to plan your own resurrection. The 12 continue. They're trying to get it. They're all sitting back trying to figure out what this means. But then we get a little bit more about Judas. We'll kind of finish up with that. Then Judas Iscariot, in case you didn't know which Judas it was, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priest. Oh, we already know what they're doing. In order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. Judas, at this point, apparently has decided that Jesus isn't who he wants him to be. And that's, that's trouble today, right? You know, people can say, if I say to someone, do you believe in Jesus? You know, that's a good thing to ask, but you got to, what does it mean to believe and which Jesus? The one who is really revealed to us in the pages of Holy Scripture or the one of our own making? The Jesus that's more like a Santa Claus or a bellhop and you know ding give me this ding give me that eh, I do like that Jesus sometimes but that's not really the Jesus right do we let God reveal himself to us or do we say this is what God's supposed to be like you've probably heard this as kind of a pastorism but in the beginning God created man and woman in his own image and we've been returning the favor ever since we keep recreating God in ours don't do that you know, you know, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Let's look at, let him describe who he is. Let him, let Jesus take you by the hand and show you who Yahweh is. Don't say, well, I want God to be like this. To quote another movie, <laughs> Bruce Almighty, which I don't know if you should watch that one or not. I know there's some language problems in there. Um, <laughs> who the heck are you? <laughs> When do we ever know what we really want? We're just, we just, we're, we're just, we see through a glass darkly. We only see our, you know, our lives in a, in a certain way. So one of the 12 appears to get picked off because he seems to be more worried about what he thinks the Messiah should do than what the Messiah says he's going to do. So what we have to, to think about, think on, then and now, is each person can reject the grace of Christ or accept Jesus on his terms. 
I've heard people say, well, I don't like it. I don't like that I have to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow him. Well, there's days I don't like it either, but is that what he's asking? you going to follow him or not? How much does the Bible say about part-time Christians? Yeah, there's not a lot of, you're either in or you're out, right? Uh, to use a math term, it's, the, the Bible's very binary. Either you're a one or a zero. You're either on the path that's narrow and, and a bit hard, or you're on the path that's wide and quite easy. You're either building your life on the foundation and rock of Jesus, or you're building your life on sand and it's going to fall. You're either for me or against me. There's no middle ground. Judas was a zero. <laughs> I want you guys to be a one. That's really what we're after, right? Put him first, because there's no third option. Let us pray. Father, as we get to look into some of these uh, relationships that Jesus has with Mary, Martha, Judas, we see what the one thing is. Do we take his word for it? Do we submit ourselves to his lordship and say, Kyrie eleison, or do we try to recreate him in the way we want him? May we remember that you oppose the proud and give grace to the humble. May we be humble before you, knowing that you are eternal God that created everything, holy, just, gracious, loving, all those attributes, and we were, are but your creation. As we sing these songs, may we remember how much mercy you give us that we can have a saving, eternal relationship with you through Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we pray.